Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! everybody, and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Carty. Hello, Annie. Hi, Walt. Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal? On Crossover Appeal, we talk about our favourite books and movies, and sometimes we do really bad accents. Right, it's a right whiz-banger of bad accent ideas, it is. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello, Top of hello. the morning. <laughs> hello, poppet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that that's a good way to kick off this anglophilic episode yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah this episode we are crossing over um the remains of the day the book and wallace and gromit the, the many the shorts short, and film shorts film shorts series? short films short fi- short plus films. film short and long the long and short of it <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it very very much um yeah we're taking a trip to we britain um, just like when we did Lord of the Rings and Downton Abbey, but That's with true. less magic. Yeah, I mean, I guess the less... true magic is clay, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> obviously. True. And I guess less butlers technically, but more butler focus. Butler specific. Yeah, yeah very bu- butler specific. Yeah, it's like downstairs, downstairs. This is very downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like Downton Abbey at night. <laughs> Downton Abbey nights. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, someone's made that. Yeah. Don't Google it. Yeah. Don't Google well, it. It just involves Lady Mary killing dudes with her vagina. Yeah. Because that's what that's, Downton Abbey yeah, was. Yeah, that was a, that was like episode one. Yeah. Wow. We're we're, we're flashing way back. That's true. Throwback Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wednesday. <laughs> Well, we released on Wednesday. Yeah. Thursday is about the night that we're recording. Peek behind the curtain for the No, listeners. today's Monday. Oh my God, it's Monday. <laughs> Did you realize oh, it was Monday? No. Oh, you Annie. said Tuesday and then you said Thursday. <laughs> I said a lot of things. Yep. A lot of things, some it of which I regret be, could not going to clarify. It could be any day in England. We don't know. <laughs> Who knows how time There's zones There's no work. way to tell that. <laughs> yeah. Science has yet to figure out how to determine time zones in Britain versus exactly. Boston. Um, so so anyway. in the future, you, you friends in the UK will hear all about the remains of the day. Maybe they're already in the future. Hearing about it. Yeah. Oh, man. And he saved me from myself. Talk about The Remains yep. of the Day. So The Remains <laughs> of the Day is a novel by Japanese-British author Kazuo Ishiguro. It was Ishiguro's third novel and was published in eight, or excuse me, 1989 and won the Booker Prize, which is the big book award in England that same year. Uh, a film version starring Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson was released in 1993 and also got a bunch of Oscar nominations. Good for them. Yeah, like it is a roundly well-received story it's good yeah yeah it's checkmark enjoy this it's well done on the page and on the screen plus emma thompson yeah oh yeah she's a delight emma thompson oh so great Mm -hmm. um so we're, we're focusing again today on the novel um and the story follows stevens um an english butler 
to the extreme. <laughs> to as, the max. Yeah, he is like the butleriest of butlers. I'm just picturing Anthony Hopkins riding <laughs> on a skateboard and like a pair of, in a pair of jorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then doing doing an ollie yeah. and it like freeze frame. <laughs> Absolutely. But he's pouring a glass of champagne for the owner of the yeah. estate. Oh, excuse while he me, does Sherry. It. Oh, you're right. Pardon me. Yeah. Man, I'm just messing up all over yeah. the place tonight. <laughs> Um, so Stevens is taking a motor trip to visit Miss Kenton, who is now Mrs. Ben, the former housekeeper on the estate where Stevens works and lives. In the present, after World War II, uh, the estate is owned by an American named Mr. Faraday, but Stevens and Miss Kenton both formerly worked for Lord Darlington. Darling. Isn't that just the most... British unit like darling I, I that's the kind of thing where it's like that should be on Downton Abbey it's true I would say it's the most British name of the episode but we haven't gotten oh the yeah and Gromit hold up yet. there <laughs> um so while Stevens is on his sad old butler road trip he recounts his life as a butler with Lord Darlington and Miss Kenton uh, he considers his work as a butler and the devotion to the craft of that work um including loyalty to the house and lord However, Stevens gradually reveals that maybe Darlington wasn't worthy of his loyalty as he tried to influence international relations and foster German sympathy leading up to World War II, which eventually caused Darlington social and political ruin. Not cool, Darlington. Super not cool. I thought we were bros. Yeah, right? Um, and like, Ishiguro does a great job of this reveal. It's like, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, British Lord. Mm-hmm. He seems fine. And slowly you figure out that like this guy is on the side of the Nazis Ew. and that Stevens has been devoting his life to this estate and trying to convince himself that Darlington is not a bad person and Man. that his life has not been wasted. It's like Schindler's List in reverse. <laughs> It's yeah. like like he seems upstanding, but he's actually not. Yeah, not well, yeah, that's dude. that was a thing that yeah. people were feeling then too. Yeah, it was yeah, like um, uh, the guy who was going to be king, or who was king, king. and abdicated, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that jerk. Yeah, what's his name? Mr. King speech, not King George. <laughs> Mr. Anti King speech. Yeah, I just saw King, king speech's speech brother the other day at yeah. the gym. It's so good. Yeah, it's a lovely film. But it, that's yeah. how I. That's literally how I learned about the abdication crisis. Yeah, me too. I just so anyway. Yeah. I mean, that was a thing. Yeah, that's a thing that happened. Um, so Stephen starts to question the per- Stevens starts to question the purpose of his life choices, including avoiding a relationship with Miss Kenton because it didn't seem professionally appropriate. Oh, no. Stevens ends up meeting with Miss Kenton slash Mrs. Ben as she ad- and she admits to him that she wonders if her life would have been better if she had married Stevens instead. Oh no! This leads to the saddest line of all sad lines. Indeed, why should I not admit it? At that moment, my heart was breaking. <gasps> Stevens is like so reserved and proper throughout the whole novel. And this is the most vulnerable moment of his life. But it's oh. too late for both of them. And they can't admit their real feelings to each other. So many feels. Just skateboards off into the sunset. Yeah, he does. Oh, sadly. Not sad radical Ollie. at all. Yeah. Oh, a little sad Ollie over the curb. <laughs> yeah. Boop. Boop. Doesn't even flip it around. No. Oh. Stevens. Oh. So yeah, Stevens returns to the Darlington, now Faraday estate to kind of live out the rest of his life as a butler. You know what that also means is that then he has a sad butler road trip back. Yeah, it's the saddest road trip in it's reverse. Like sadder old man <laughs> yes. road trip. And and Ishiguro was like, I can't write the sequel. It would be too bleak. It, yeah, <laughs> it would just make everybody cry from page one. Oh no. Beep, beep, Stevens. Yeah. Tell us about the characters um, so, so that we can feel yeah, love right? again. So we have Stevens, the narrator, and Butler to Lord Darlington. Lord Darlington 
Lord, ugh, Lord Darlington himself, the owner of the estate and Nazi sympathizer. Gross. Totes gross. Uh, Miss Kenton, housekeeper and feels queen. <laughs> it, you know. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Stevens Sr., Stevens's father and the underbutler at the estate. Um, when he is the butler, Stevens is torn between feeling like you're um, being the most formal of butlers and also helping his aging father. So was this is me just not knowing like how butler lines of yeah. secession work with Stevens Sr., the butler I be- when Stevens I, was It's training? been a little while, but I yeah. believe so. And then Stevens gets to take over and his father like... You know, he's an old guy. He defeated his father in single combat and assumed the butler mantle. And his father has a stroke. Oh, God. No, for real. It's a sad book. Oh, no. It's a real sad book. Oh, now I feel bad for implying that Stevens beat up his dad. (laughs) Yep. Oh. We also have Mr. Faraday, the American who buys (laughs) Darlington's estate after the war and is way less formal than Stevens really wants him to be. (laughs) Because Mr. Faraday is like, oh, hey, Stevens, how's it going? And Stevens is like, why are you talking to me like that? (laughs) Yeah, this is not how you be This is not. Yeah, it's it's a very different way of life. Mm -hmm. There's Reginald Cardinal, who is a journalist and Darlington's godson, who opposes his godfather's views about Nazis right on. Good for you, Reggie. He, like, tells Stevens that Darlington has been used by the Nazis. Oh, um, there's Herr Ribbentrop, a German ambassador who uses Darlington as an opportunity to exhibit influence over British aristocrats and heads of state, mm-hmm. um, and other butlers such as Mr. Marshall, Mr. Lane, and Mr. Graham. Um, they are from the Stevens School of very proper butlering. They all go to butler night. Yeah, at the they local no, pub. they do. They all get together and talk about butlering. That's amazing. And like like you know minor like work situations at their estates, yeah. but also like. What it means to be a butler, the, yeah. and like what the you know what loyalty is and what dignity is. The truth of butling. The truth, the real hardcore butles. What it is to buttle. <laughs> butt life. Butt life. <laughs> Hashtag butt life. Don't Google you know, that one. No, either. you know they started it. They really felt like they needed to get a Twitter presence going to keep the the employment up and yep. to keep people aware of the position. But they really mischose their hashtags. But they got a huge following. It's true. A lot of responses, a lot of retweets, a lot of likes, but not the cli- kind of clientele. No. For. Not or expected. Speaking of uh, <laughs> of people you work for who are a little less formal than you want them to be, yeah, right. Somebody who hires you off of hashtag butlers. <laughs> Maybe is they're not, looking for something else. Yeah, they're not going to have the professional relationship that you're looking for. No, <laughs> or or you know maybe they maybe are too professional yeah. relationship. But like, <laughs> truly, this is the classiest podcast <laughs> yep. set in Britain. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, uh, so let's let's get to some themes, yeah. Because there are no butts there. No, no butts in the themes. Um, a big theme is loyalty. Um, obviously, Stevens is deeply committed to his job, and through that, Lord Darlington, who is definitely not worthy of loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also dignity, kind of purpose, purpose and sacrifice tied into that. Um, Stevens takes his job very seriously, but at what cost? Like he loses out on major relationships like with his father and with Miss Kenton because he's so committed to work as a butler and the way of life he sees as proper. Mm-hmm. Um, like he is he is 100% the job and the job is not giving him back what he deserves. Right. Um, also uh, changing times. Like with he- World War II, there's a huge shift not only in international politics but also life on these estates in the UK. Like Stevens is now living in a much less formal formal world and the way of life he's always known and loved is slipping away. I feel like it seems like 
a lot of British media deals with the changing times thing. And I wonder if it's like there's this such a stratified culture. I mean, obviously, it's like yeah. a theme in a lot of stuff. But I think oh, in yeah. Britain, it's so easy to be like, this is where society's breaking down. Yeah. Because and it's, people are talking to each other. And I mean, other. I'm sure you have that in, say, like Russian culture in various forms. You know, True. like any sort of feudal culture. Yeah. Like shifting from the kind of landed gentry yeah. way of life. But like in, you know, say Russia and France, you had revolutions to take care of that. <laughs> yeah. In the UK, it really was, you know, the, it just people couldn't afford to run these estates anymore. Yeah. And then I feel like you get the American take on it, which is like everything's already kind of up in the air. And so people can declare themselves to be like, like the Great Gatsby. You can like make yourself rich and it won't make you happy, but it's not like... I mean, I guess Tom and Daisy are the sort of old money. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, it's it's yeah. a similar thing. Um, but you at, le- you at least have this idea of like, oh, we're we're rich versus just like, I have a title. Right. I've, I've <laughs> always been this level of society. My family has this land because we have always had this right. land. And we're actually not super rich. And in the we same way. We just know how to throw a party. Um, I mean, obviously, this was also a big te- theme in Downton Abbey, but like, the idea of the the serving class and like Stevens yeah. coming from a time where it's like this is a very honorable position and again like he he brings a lot of art and craft to his work but for kind of this era you have a lot of change in terms of what it means to be like a normal working guy yeah like you're not necessarily always tied to one estate like lots of people are like okay well you know yeah maybe I was you know, a, a staff person at an estate, but then I can get a job in the city, right. you know, working in a factory or like, I can get a job working in a shop. I can actually uh, control my own life a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and assume that you have movement in your life. And it does also dovetail then with the sunsetting of the British Empire and like yeah. everything is moving from this very established order to like democratization essentially yeah like a shared element. which is great for a lot of people yeah. but it's scary for people like stevens yeah if you've come up in a very specific expectation and, and you feel a connection with your way of life mm-hmm. like he's i mean he's a butler he's not lord darlington right but he still feels a lot of pride in his work um and again like having sacrificed everything else in his life for that even emma thompson even emma thompson um, so some things i like and think other people were like well, like, um, just the writing is gorgeous. Like, Ishiguro is a masterful writer, and he captures Stevens's voice, like, impeccably. Um, I think the difference between reading this and reading Never Let Me Go, like, they're both extremely well-written and very literary, but I feel like reading The Remains of the Day, you think this guy is, like, an old British butler. Yeah. Like, he just captures that voice. Um, and it's, an, again, a, f- a fantastic look at the evolving role of British aristocracy and democratization and post-World War II England. Um, and also, you know, super themesy and feelsy. Like, I read it first year at UVA, and a friend and I started a Stevens fan club. Oh, man, which, I remember that. Yeah, it consisted of the two of us. <laughs> talking about how Stevens... Talking about how awesome Stevens was. Just like a bunch of butlers sitting around in the pub talking yeah, about butling. exactly. <laughs> you were hashtag butt life all the way. Had, we were the big hashtag butt life. <laughs> <laughs> I like big butt life, and I cannot lie. Oh, it's true. She can't lie about this, no. folks. She's tried. I many times people have cornered me and they're like, "Who's your favorite butler?" And I'm like, "Um, and, someone." And they're like, "No, that's not specific mm-hmm. enough." And then they call you out on it. Yeah, 
And, and man, I that situation to... would be very strange. It would. That's what a high, what a weirdly <laughs> high stakes moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, just just like all the high stakes in Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, a perfect segue. Yes. Um, yeah, there are high stakes in Wallace and Gromit, it's but true. very cozy British high stakes. Um, so yeah, Wallace and Gromit is a series of four claymation shorts and one delightful full length claymation movie um, centered around an eccentric inventor and his uh, in- totally silent but loyal and highly anthropomorphic dog assistant business partner. Just like, Bodo. Just like Bodo. Just like Bodo. Yeah, the series was created by Nick Park of Ardman Animations uh, and was really the um, thing that put Ardman kind of on the map. Um, he brought a, he has a very specific style and aesthetic and uh, it sort of grew out of Wallace and Gromit as they got more and more entrenched in culture. Um, the first short called A Grand Day Out was released in 1990. Um, the film The Curse of the Were-Rabbit was released in 2005 and the uh, two of the shorts were released in between there. And then a fourth short, A Matter of Loaf and Death, was released in 2007. Um, they like puns, you guys. They Just... they are the masters of claymation puns. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Lord, who's a co-founder of Ardman Animations, has hinted um, recently of more material forthcoming from Wallace and Gromit, though they've all been sort of saying that to some extent for uh, any number of years. It's the kind of thing that's always getting talked about and happens very rarely. Um Claymation takes a lot of work, you guys, and uh, I think it's, you know, something that's kind of fun to enjoy just when it comes around, and the things that are out there already are so sort of pristine and perfect that they're great to enjoy. Oh, totally. I would rather them work for, like, 20 years on a short film than, Mm -hmm. you know, have second-rate Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Curse of the Were-Rabbit was sort of Ardman Animations partnering with DreamWorks, and they then put out a couple other films with it that Mm. didn't do as well as DreamWorks wanted to do, and they were getting a lot of pressure to sort of Americanize Wallace and Gromit, which I feel like would just make Wallace and Gromit like disappear in a puff of smoke, because they're so British um, Mm -hmm. that the partnership sort of fell apart. Um, And we only got the one film, but it is a great film. Um, Wallace and Gromit's legacy sort of extends just beyond these shorts in one movie. Uh, Their charm and humor and overall Britishness have really made them beloved icons, kind of the world over and especially in the UK. Uh, They're sort of a cuter, fuzzier, claymationier Doctor Who. Um, They're just that British. Um, As far as basic synopsis, the setup is always the same. Wallace and Gromit live in a house in England. Uh, Wallace is an inventor, and they usually have some sort of wacky business. They're like window washers, or they uh, have a sheep shearing business, or uh, or they're a pest control, um, utilizing Wallace's inventions, which are very sort of Rube Rube Goldbergian and over-elaborate. They live together in their house. They get into all sorts of jams due to Wallace's absent-minded inventing habit, uh, his near irrational love of cheese as if such a thing were possible um it's definitely possible <laughs> we'll get to that later yeah. um and their habit of running into ne'er-do-wells um specifically the adventures that they get into are going to the moon in a grand day out because the moon is made of cheese and they're fresh out um stopping a robotic dog sheep rustler in a close Aww. shave uh unleashing a pair of very wrong trousers upon the world in the wrong trousers uh combating wide-scale 
Abigail Bunnyside and human bunny transmogrification in The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. No. Um, oh, yeah, combating Bunnyside. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, not committing. Yes. God, no. No, they they have a humane pest control business yes. in that. It's all about save... With, they use Anti-pesto! A, anti-pesto. They use a big vacuum to suck the bunnies up out of the ground. It's and adorable. And rehabilitate them. Yes, and send them back out into the world. Um Along the way in the films, um, they sometimes meet an adorable love interest uh, for Wallace, um, but they always have at least one ha- have at least one epic action sequence where Gromit saves the day. There's a great one in the wrong trousers where uh, he's being chased through the house and is on a toy train and is like laying the track in front of the train as he goes in order to steer where it goes. Um, and again, they sort of run afoul of these really great and wonderfully quirky and uh, delightful antagonists. Um, usually, uh, Wallace is the only voiced character in the shorts um if they have if he has a love interest it'll usually be voiced by someone as well um and then there are more characters in curse of the were rabbit because it's a larger movie with a larger cast but for the most part it's just wallace is the one who speaks and then other animals and characters like gromit and the antagonists are almost entirely silent who are largely i think an- or maybe i'm just thinking largely about- animals yeah, yeah mostly animals you've got two animals sh- and a robot yeah yeah so, you know, robots are the animals of the mechanical world. The, the animals of the future. Yes. You know. That's so true. Aw. Man, I don't know if that's if that's cute or not. Well, it's, I think it's exciting. Like, we're going to have animals, yeah. but also robot animals. As long as we have robot animals, too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so characters, like I said, it tends to be a pretty nuclear cast, but then Curse of the Were-Rabbit builds out with some fun folks. Um, there's Wallace, uh, originally voiced by Peter Salas, who actually actually just passed away this past week so um, i know so it's a uh it is a you know a, a sadly timed episode um it is now being voiced by a different actor uh who did the voice for matter of loaf and death and i cannot recall that actor's name uh apologies but peter salas really sort of put his mark and stamp on wallace he has a really distinctive voice um he says cheese in a really funny way he says gromit's name in a really funny way and considering that he's often the only voice acting being done he anchors these stories in a really lovely way and makes them really iconic um Wallace is an absent-minded but eternally good-natured and humane person. Um, He's brilliant but not always practical, and he's just kind of generally a delight in a green sweater with a weird-shaped head. Uh, He's a daffy British Rube Goldberg kind of dude. Um, there's Gromit, uh, his dog, who is the brains of the operation. Uh, Gromit's totally silent and totally smart and competent, puts up with a lot of nonsense from Wallace, but always finds time to be a dog occasionally. Um, he reads fun magazines and, like, finds bones occasionally. I feel like he's, like, a British Snoopy. Yeah, he's a, definitely a British Snoopy. I think they do some Snoopy call-outs that I can't recall. Yeah. But, like, him, like, laying on dog houses and yeah. stuff. But it's, it's very fun when, like, when it chooses to have him be a dog and when it chooses to have have him like drive cars around yeah. and stuff like he's and great. like subscribe to magazines yeah he has periodically opposable thumbs he wears reading glasses oh like, it's true yeah, he's great i'm pretty sure he knits oh yeah yeah definitely yeah. knits um the penguin who is the antagonist of the wrong trousers real name feathers mcgraw i love that um he's a sought after fugitive who's also a master of disguise in that he puts a rubber glove on his head when he commits crimes so that people think he's a chicken I love it. Um, so if you're a celebrity listening to this and you know you have to go to a hotel and put your name under a different name i suggest you use feathers mcgraw yes 
Absolutely. That would be a really good But like, don't all do it at once. No, it's like Feathers McGraw, Feathers McGraw Jr. Um, Dr. Feathers McGraw. Yeah, exactly. And please, Feathers was my father. (laughs) (laughs) Please, Dr. McGraw was my father. Call me Feathers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Or please, Feathers is my father. Call me Dr. McGraw. Yeah. (laughs) I've worked much harder to get away from his roots. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, but yeah, uh, Wrong Trousers is my personal favorite of all of the Wallace and Gromit properties. They're all amazing, though. Oh. But I love the penguins so much, um, especially the idea of him disguised as a chicken and Wallace being the or Gromit being the only one who can tell that he's just a penguin with a glove on his head. That is true. Um, and even him, it takes a while to figure so it out. So even compared to Where Rabbit, Where Rabbit is really close, but I think Wrong Trousers comes out in the wash. You know, there's no bad. No, there's here. no wrong yeah. choice. Um, close shave is so good too. Um, Wendeline, speaking of close shave and of British names, uh, she is the love interest co-protagonist. Um, she's a bit of a femme fatale in a close shave. Uh, Wallace meets her when he's washing her shop's windows and sort of starts a romantic in- has r- some romantic interest in, but then she ends up being tied up in the sheep rustling. <gasps> I know she's very over her head in the conspiracy. Um, she seems perfect for Wallace until. Until the end of the film when it is revealed that she doesn't like cheese. Yeah. It makes her break out in a rash. I mean, I guess at least that's some reason. Even Wensleydale. Like normal. Like many reasonable and thoughtful people don't even need a rash to not like cheese. They can just kind of not like cheese. It's such an unspeakable thing, not liking cheese. Ugh, especially if you like overwhelm something with the cheesiness like why <laughs> i will say annie likes melted cheese pizza. yeah it's it's re- a real like i'm like a picky toddler it's like i like pizza and i'll have cheese on like cheese chili fries. or something yeah and and cheese fries but if someone's like would you like cheese and crackers i'm like i will take your crackers yeah and then you just yeah. throw the cheese out the window and you say, well, no, no cheese I, for anybody. I, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, the way that Annie and I got past this impasse was that she made the very, very astute point that her not liking cheese means there's more cheese for Waltz. Yeah, I'm never going to steal it. I can buy cheese and put it in the refrigerator and, and I know it's going to yeah, be there. Exactly. Whereas for things like chocolate, it's like, man, I hope that Walt forgets about it. It's everybody for themselves yeah. when it comes to chocolate. Um, so yeah, uh, cheese but, is the thing that holds our relationship together. Yeah, the the cheese balance yeah. must be maintained. Exactly. Um, but Wallace arguably likes cheese even more than I like cheese. Yeah, and so it's a big deal. That I Wendelian mean, he went to the moon like for it. It's true. He went all the way to the moon. She doesn't even like Wensleydale. Um, her dog Preston. He's the antagonist of a close shave. Turns out he's a robot. What? And has very dark plans for sheep, specifically involving turning them into dog food. Um, yeah, that's real dark. Yeah, he's sort of like a darker universe grommet. Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. he's he's like the Cybermen version of humans. Yeah. I feel like there's a moment, especially in the shorts, there's always a moment where, like, Wallace and the antagonist, who are usually both silent animals, make very significant dark eye contact. Yeah. And it's like, it in these brief moments, these wacky claymation shorts actually manage to be a little bit spooky. Like, they totally get the beats of, like, an action thriller. Oh, yeah. Um, like... Gromit is very much in an action thriller in yeah, these movies. Absolutely. Almost all, at all times. Yeah. Um, and Wallace is just kind of stumbling through. Um, there's the cooker who I had actually forgotten about until I started re-researching. Um, he is a robotic guardian on the moon in A Grand Day Out. Oh, um, yeah. A Grand Day Out is sort of the outlier of all of the shorts. It's the, it's the first one they made with Wallace and Gromit. And... It's just them. There's no them in the world. It's really just them building a rocket ship and going to the moon. So it has almost more of a surrealistic yeah. approach. 
It's and, definitely, it feels more like the Pixar shorts. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, here's an adorable, funny thing. Yeah, it feels very self-contained. Yeah. It is incredibly cheese-focused. But they they encounter this robotic guardian on the moon who's coin-operated and hates that they make messes. Um, and then discovers a love of skiing. Aww. Yeah, it's really adorable. Um, in Curse of the Were-Rabbit, we then have Lady Campanula Tottington. Or Totty oh, for short. Totty. Voiced by Helena Bonham Carter in one of the best pieces of vocal acting. Oh my god. I love the, the moment where she's calling Auntie Pesto about her rabbit problem. And Wallace is like, we'll be there. And then, ah, because he, get like, he gets like yeah. sucked up by something. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and an ah. I can't wait an ah. <laughs> it's pretty perfect. I love it. She does upper crust foppery uh perfectly is a woman is an upper crust lady a fop oh an upper crust lady can be whatever she wants that's true in these modern times exactly uh, well she is the foppiest fop lady to ever fop a fop uh she has the perfect uh crisp british accent um she loves bunnies but needs them off of her estate yeah. because as the keeper of tottingham hall she hosts the annual vegetable competition in the village and so she gets ensnared uh in dark doings that involve wallace and gromit as pet exterminators and and then possibly Wallace as love interest. And also monster. It's true. She also looks a bit like a carrot, which causes some issues. It does. Um, once characters get turned into were-rabbits and things get dark. Yeah. Um, so, But uh, in a funny way. In a very funny way. Um, especially because of Lord Victor Quartermain, played by Rafe Fiennes in another just spot-on casting. Yeah. He, um, like, if you told me that that was um, Rafe Fiennes, like... I, I would still be surprised if I listen. Yeah. Like, every time I watch the movie, I, I forget it's him. Yeah, and this is, like, firmly in his Voldemort phase. I feel like he was, like, he was Lord Quartermain, he was Voldemort, he was the the antagonist in um, uh, in Bruges, the Martin McDonough movie. Like, he had this this spate of just playing, like, really charismatic, sleazy bad guys. Yeah, and in very different spheres. Yeah, and uh, and he's great at all of them. Well done, sir. Indeed. Um, so, Lord Quartermain is an upper-class bounder and master of the hunt. He loves killing animals, which, of course, puts him at odds with Wallace and Gromit. Oh. Um, uh, and yeah, he's Ray Fiennes being Ray fiennes And then Curse of the Were-Rabbit has just a bunch of delightful townspeople. Um, the priest, the constable, the villagers, everybody gets at least a few good puns. Um, it feels a lot like the town in Hot Fuzz. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It's like the warmer, fuzzier Hot Fuzz town. Yeah, exactly. Um, themes and fun stuff of Wallace and Gromit. I mean, just again, the sheer Britishness of it all. It's quaint, it's cozy, it's really irrepressibly Anglo and ha- has a lot of fun with the cliches of Britishism um, and quaint coziness. Um, it's not uh, trying to over romanticize anything. It's just very much in it's, this feeling. It's just being goofy. Yeah, it's being super duper goofy. Um, it, it has this really gentle but anything for a laugh nature uh, to the humor. Um, there's puns all the time, but Wallace and Gromit are also just a classic comedy duo. Um, I feel it's like... Um... Like Monty Python for kids. Yeah. Little, that's actually a really good way to put it. Yeah, because it, like it's so witty and funny, but also slapstick humor. Yeah. And, but like it has that gentle. Yeah, it's not quite flair. as anarchical. Yeah, exactly. It's not yeah. complete chaos. Like you trust the world that it's in and yeah. that things are going to work out okay. Absolutely. Um, and then there's just the beauty and ingenuity of the animation. Um, Ardman Films 
don't look like other films, um, not just because they're claymation, but because the claymation itself has a really specific visual style and their density of visual gags and timing and uh, and set design is really impressive, especially given that it's all made by hand and so painstakingly animated. Um, they're just beautiful films and they really, I think, went a long way in the 90s towards legitimizing claymation as a cinematic choice um, for, yeah. like, for popular film, I think. Um, people were already doing it for other things, but uh, I think Ardman really proved that you could do it in a way that would have mass appeal and would feel different than a than a normally acted movie would. Yeah, and that it's something that, you know, I remember watching like the Rankin-Bass films when I was young, and those feel very particularly like for children. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I still love them and they warm my heart, but it's for a very particular audience. Yeah. Whereas I feel like the Wallace and Gromit films like kids would love them but then you can also watch them with adults and just be charmed and yeah. laugh out loud at them too yeah i remember i wa i first watched wallace and gromit when i was in like art class in sixth grade and it just totally blew my mind because we were like doing sculpting and things oh, and then we made cool. we all made little claymation movies and it was just like seeing i think watching the movies seeing how perfect they are and then trying to execute on that oh god is a lesson in like yeah wow, that... <laughs> these people are good at here what they're kids doing. i'm gonna make you feel bad about your talent yeah seriously thanks art class um but no it was really like it was like nothing i'd ever seen and i think because it was pre-internet i spent a lot of you almost spent a lot of time feeling like it was like a fever dream where like I I didn't know other people who knew Wallace and Gromit unless they were in oh, that class with me. Interesting. Um, and so then rediscovering it, I think in college, um, as preparations for Where Rabbit were coming out, was like really really fun and getting oh. to revisit the shorts, um, because yeah, they're not quite as institutional uh, in America as they are in Britain. But I feel no. were you were you aware of them growing up? Yeah, I like I think I knew about it through um, my my friend Renee. Um, mm -hmm. Like she and her brother had, I think, on had them on VHS, mm. and I think I'm pretty sure they let me borrow it. You had way cooler friends. I know, and I mean, I have no idea how they heard about it, but we were, you know, we're all a bunch of goobers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you also that watched kind of a lot of Faulty Towers. I feel like you had a particular. No, I didn't. Didn't you? No. No, we just watched it when we were hanging out with your friends that one time. Oh, but that was no, that was Monty Python. There was some faulty towers involved too. Oh These yeah, are deep cuts into early oh, Walt Nanny dating. Yeah, no, I mean, but that that was Monty Python New Year's Eve. Ah uh, yes, Got so it. that was like extended British. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. We did watch that. Yeah, but I think yeah, that was definitely a spinoff of. What I'm Man. saying is, you had a lot of Britishisms in, yeah, your, in wow. your upbringing. Guys, I was real cool back in high school. It's true. I was hardcore popular, obviously. Yeah. I think we both were. I was oh, making yeah. bad claymation in art class. Yeah. <laughs> you were watching Monty Python. Yeah, right? Yeah, we were the best. Oh, totally. Honest. You would have been lucky to be friends with us. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, hey, Annie, let's show everybody what they were missing by not being friends with us yes. by figuring out where these two British pieces of fiction Yay! cross over. Um, how about thematically, other than Yay Britain? Yes, that <laughs> is a huge theme, Yay Britain. Yeah. Um, I think it's like the, I, I mean, this is not like a theme of the particular stories or characters, but the particular style with which both. Yeah, they, like they, are they each very, have a specific style. They each style. have a very particular voice. Yeah. Um, and it's so beautifully crafted in very like they're totally different, but mm -hmm. they're 
their creators pay so much attention yeah. to how they're telling the story and who is telling the story. I would say I also this is a bit of a reach because I do think that they wind up having different feelings about this theme, but I feel like they both in some way address the fulfillment of service. Yeah. I think like Gromit hangs out with Wallace and is like never begrudging. Well, he's begrudging, but he's never bitter but in a good about way. how much he has to save Wallace. Yes. And they have a genuine relationship with yeah. one another. Um, Possibly because they actually see each other as peers as opposed right. to a stratified lord and butler relationship. Yeah, but I mean, Wallace, I think, does see Gromit as a dog. Yeah, that's true. He's I a think pet. It, yeah, he's a pet. And I I don't think Wallace is thinking, oh, Gromit serves me. But I think he's still thinking, well, I'm the human. Yeah. I'm in charge. Just like people think about butlers. Yeah. Well, like- <laughs> I'm a human. <laughs> sit. Sit. <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even like in the wrong trousers, like Wallace gets these mechanical pants for Gromit so that they can walk Gromit. Like, yes. It's like it's everything is in relationship to Gromit's dogness and dogitude. So yeah, I think that there's like an element of uh, different strata in relationships that are dealt with in among both properties. Yes. Although I think they arrive at different conclusions. And I think the um, for for different purposes, but both characters you know stevens wallace slash gromit they have a great passion for their work Mm -hmm. and really throw themselves into it sometimes at the expense of those around them or interpersonal connections (laughs) yeah Yeah, absolutely and Um, you know whereas stevens is very much in the old uh wallace is very much in the new mm -hmm. thinking Um, moving ahead thinking yeah very industrial though indeed yeah 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 they both he works really hard Mm mm-hmm um, so yeah, I think uh, it's deceptively simple to get these into the same universe together, but let's go for specifics. How do these yeah. wind up o- occupying the same space? So I'm thinking that Stevens is on the second half of his sad old butler road trip. He's, he's feeling real down. Seriously. Um, he was down on the way there. He was down on, the way, on th- yeah. the way back. Yeah, exactly. Oof. Um, and he, you know, is driving through the English countryside. Mm-hmm. But it's it's getting late, and you know he he's just real upset. He needs to pull over. Yeah, he sees uh, Toddington Toddington Hall, ah. and decides, okay, well maybe I can ask the butler there if I can just spend the night. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a I'm a butler on the road. We, we speak the butler code. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like knock, a, knock three times. There's a sign carved on the fence post that says yeah, like, exactly. "Butler's welcome here." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So he um, he goes to Tottenham Hall and um, kind of as he does, I feel like it's almost like a Wizard of Oz moment of mm-hmm. like moving into claymation ah, from black and white from into black exactly yeah, yeah. Um, and of course there meets Lady Tottenham mm-hmm. um, he meets Wallace and Gromit who are um, obviously still yeah, tending still, to the grass yeah, and and helping and that's where they bring all their bunnies yeah so he meets all the bunnies yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a little shocked yeah. by how, how there are bunnies all over this estate. It's true. Um, but he, he ends up opening up maybe to uh, to Gromit oh, yeah. about, you know, his experience. And I think like, yeah, they have a night where they're by the fire. And I think maybe Stevens doesn't yet realize that Gromit understands English. Yeah. And Gromit just curled up by the fire and Stevens starts expostulate, expostulating yeah. in his style. Expodulating? I don't Ex- know what that ex- was. Yeah. It's talking, talking real. He's being good. an expod. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and then he he reveals some darker secrets or yeah. some he, some he unburdens himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe. Okay, so here's the real. Does does Stevens like cheese? I think so. Okay, 
Does he like? Because I'm th- I'm trying to think if Wendelin winds up somewhere. Oh no! This see, that's what I'm thinking because I feel like they would convince Stevens to go back and find oh. Miss Kenton. Oh yeah. Um, I feel. I mean, they, this has been a while, so I can't remember exactly <laughs> if she's a widow. But he will make sure of it. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Wallace is like, I will kill for yeah, you. You just tell me. Tell me. Say With the my word, machines. Stevens. Say the word. Um, so I'm going to, for this, I'm just going to assume that Mrs. Ben is the the widow, Mrs. Ben. Mm-hmm. And the widow Ben. The widow Ben. And, um, you know, maybe Stephen's car is broken down. Yeah. But Wallace is like, I've got a brand new, brand new contraption. I'm going to add an extra step in here. Yeah. Because so Tottingham Hall is a perfect site. Like it's very rich, very wealthy, perfect site for theft. Yes. So I think uh, our old nemesis, the penguin, shows Uh up with the trousers. What? um, And tries to break into Tottingham Hall. I think obviously big action sequence fight ensues. Stevens helps Gromit thwart the penguin. And afterwards, this is the mental image that I have. A peaceful, bucolic British pasture. Yeah. Suddenly sounds of thudding. Yeah. Over the rise, here comes Anthony Hopkins in a pair of giant mechanical trousers with a huge smile on his face. He's running toward his lady love. Coming for the widow bed. Maybe because he... He really um, got to stretch himself fighting the penguin. Yeah. And he realizes that his life isn't over. And it does, you know, even if he loves being a butler, he's not just a butler. He's still got some vim he and can, vigor. Yeah, he does. And he can he can fight evil. Yeah. And he can find love. <laughs> and he, he puts those trousers on. And yeah. He, I'm just loving his mental image of Anthony <laughs> Hopkins in mechanical pants. <laughs> sprinting through the pastures of Britain. Anthony Hopkins in mechanical pants is the title of my upcoming literary short stories collection. Yes, please. Yep. <laughs> Tromping past all the sheep from a close shade. Yeah, exactly. Including Sean the Sheep, who had a spinoff movie. That was That's right. Recently. I forgot yeah. about that. They, uh, he wears a sweater because Aww. he accidentally gets shorn. Yeah. Oh, there's lo- so many cute touches, you guys. I can't even. Um, so, yeah, I feel like this is already moving a little bit into the games yeah. because we're already establishing. I mean, I feel like Wallace buddy. A and lot Toddy of buddy are thing. a pairing. Um, Stevens and Widow Ben aren't going to be. Wallace not gonna and Todd? Be. Wallace and Toddy. Toddy, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, like, there's not, there aren't a lot of romantic pairings yeah. here. Yeah. And Gromit, like, there's not another dog around. Yeah, not Stevens that I can remember. One. Maybe Stevens buys a cute dog or something. Yeah. Oh, that would be cute. Yeah. But later. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think like, so Kiss Your Faces is pretty established. Battle Dome, they've got to fight the penguin. Yep. Um, um, and I think that um, Lord Victor uh, Quartermain, um, mm-hmm. I feel like he and maybe Lord Darlington would be in the same club. Yeah, they're and, in the same and hunting be, club. Yeah, and be real bitter uh-huh. about how they've been shunted. Yeah. Maybe after uh, Stevens rescues the widow Ben in her in his giant pants, um, Lord Quartermain and um, and Lord Darling come after them like for vengeance. Yeah. Coming after that. They're siege, laying siege to Tottingham Hall. <gasps> I know. Oh, no. But then they beat it because... They're great. Oh, yeah. Oh, exactly. all the bunnies. The bunnies do it, obviously. Oh, the bunnies. The bunnies dig under the siege equipment because they, they're going old school on this. They're bringing trebuchets, obviously, for the for the siege. And the bunnies dig yeah. under them and they collapse. Yeah. Yeah. Bunnies versus quarter. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, bunnies versus Nazis. Bunnies versus Nazis. I would watch the hell out right? of that. Right? Yes. Um, yeah, I feel like this is like it's a crossover that presents itself very easily. But then the possibilities are endless once you get in there. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. Um, I think Wallace and Stevens probably don't get along initially. No, I think 
Stevens would be very put off by Wallace. Mm-hmm. And and I think he would be like, oh, well, why? wait, why are you talking? Why are you calling her Toddy? Right. You're the help. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a like, hired you're a, man. Exactly. What are you doing? Yeah. Consorting. Exactly. You can't talk to a lady that way. And then no. she'd be like, oh, no. It is fine. Oh, no, Paul. It's <laughs> funny. I can't wait an hour. I can't wait an hour. <laughs> I love that line so much. Oh, it's the best. Um, I think my the uh, my other favorite moment of Where Rabbit is when uh, a guy's selling farm tools. I love it and at, the, at, the, at the vegetable the, fair. Yeah, that the the Where Rabbit attacks and it instantly turns into angry mob supplies. I love that. <laughs> I feel like I love. I think there's like the gif of that that mm-hmm. I just love using on the internet. Yeah, it's perfect because that is basically a Twitter conversation. Oh, totally. In its entirety. Um, so yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, Stevens and Wallace. The, there's some tension. Um, who does the widow Ben get along with? Not get along with? Um, I would let me see. Look at I think um she and oh god I'm trying I would I wanted to say Gromit because I feel like Gromit would again be a good listener. I think that mm-hmm. he would he would make tea and they would be knitting together. Oh yeah. Um, but I think she would also find Wallace uh, like a little more charming. He's an acquired taste. Yeah, I think she would be like, "Oh, that's Wallace." <laughs> yeah, I think so. What if Wallace and the widow Mrs. Ben were related? What if that was her brother? Oh, man, if that's like surprise. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, yeah sure. Let's I add can that see in. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, who else do we have here? Um, I feel like um, what's her name? Wendelin needs to fight someone and i feel like i can like miss kenton mrs ben yeah like throw down absolutely why not yeah um yeah because wendelin she can she can throw a punch she's been oh, she's yeah. seen them, some things yeah and i think um you know miss miss kenton wouldn't be putting up with shenanigans no she's no. a housekeeper not she knows how things should be run and wendelin is nothing but shenanigans yeah she's a shenanigan factory oh man shenanigans and robotic dogs yeah that's what her dad built yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm very happy with this crossover. Yeah. I find it very quaint and delightful. It is. Much like... um, and actually, I think that um, the townspeople from Curse of the Were-Rabbit uh-huh. and the the butler's chorus. The butler's club. Yeah, like they would all be together in the pub. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And making start, puns. Starting trouble. Being British, yeah. So British. Um, yeah, I would watch the heck out of that. Totally. Um, so yeah, we basically built a shared universe. Yes, this is a very complete shared universe. Mm-hmm. So get to work comic book artists yeah and um claymationers claymationers yeah Yeah. i want to see that i think stevens would be happier as a clay man i think so Mm -hmm. i think he again like he loves being a butler but he's gonna learn that in in that butler shell beats a clay heart of gold (laughs) 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 gonna stitch that on a sampler (laughs) that is that is a full sentence well and if people want to tap into other bits of wisdom such as that where should they look if they want to follow up on the remains of the day um so you can watch the movie and see anthony hopkins run in robotic robotic pants pants. (laughs) across the field um or not i don't think that part is in the movie it's the post-credit sequence yeah exactly just wait and then samuel l jackson shows up and invites him to the avengers (laughs) yep Uh, tell me that's not true Mm mm-hmm not on your version. I'm Turns sorry. Out the mechanical pants were one of the Infinity Stones. Oh wow, yeah. that's cool. Well, the penguin stole it, you know, from Benicio del Toro. Oh, okay. No, that yeah. makes sense. We're crossing over all over. Yeah, the place. no, I see that. <laughs> um, for more Britishness, um, I would suggest Atonement by Ian McEwan. 
Um, it has more UK estates, World War II, and unreliable narrators. Yay. I think we also read that book in my class first year at UVA. Wow. I think it was like post-war British literature. Okay, yeah. So, so you were going for But we had some real good ones. Mm-hmm. And not just about like Sad British, British estate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, there's Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier about a young young woman who marries into aristocracy and finds that it's way more intimidating than she expected, especially considering her husband's hiding something about his gorgeous dead first wife. And there's a creepy housekeeper, too. Yeah, super creepy She's housekeeper. Not a fan. No, she is no Miss Kenton. Um, there is A Brief History of Montmorey by Michelle Cooper, which is also about an estate in World War II. But I think Stevens would have been way better off with the facades born. Yeah, sounds like he would have been better off with most people. Yeah, that is true. Um, there's The Queen starring Helen Mirren about... Totty. Um, about Queen Elizabeth II, um, who's also dealing with issues of aristocracy and a changing way of life. Um, there's The Wind Rises, which is not about the UK, um, but it's a Miyazaki film about a man who designed planes used by Japan during World War II, um, dealing with that conflict of a beloved craft, in this case, engineering and air flight, being used for something awful, specifically World War II. And it was going to be Miyazaki's last film, but now he's making another one, I believe. Please keep making films, Miyazaki. never stop. Never stop. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then for more about butlers and other staff members, obviously Downton Abbey, um, Upstairs, Downstairs, both the old and the new version, Gosford Park, um, and for something a little lighter, P.D. Wodehouse's um, Jeeves series and the TV show adaptation. Mm-hmm. Which actually works as a perfect segue into the Wallace and Gromit Reader's Advisory, because that was my first thing. My first thought was that was P.G. Wodehouse. Um, he's so good. You guys, the Jeeves and Worcester stories, like there is not a bad one among them. I have the full anthology and almost every single one made me laugh out loud as I was reading it. Um, it's, it's just, just got like, that like clever charm. Yeah, it's like sheer craftsmanship of writing. Like he knew how to write a joke like a funny the craft a funny story it's funny storytelling and it's all delightful um and it's a very wallace and gromit type dynamic where you have sort of um wacky absent-minded fopman and then tended to by a loyal servant mm-hmm. uh or or a co-conspirator who winds up being the smartest of everybody and i mean when you say butler it's like it's jeeves that, yeah, that comes to mind he is the proto butler i mean you just have to ask him yeah and he's like, stop asking me. He's like, I'm dead. Go to Google. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's Three Men in a Boat by Jerome K. Jerome, um, which is a novel that blends a lot of the same kind of humor and zaniness of P.G. Wodehouse and some Wallace and Gromit flavor, um, but also has some really lovely and sentimental passages. Um, it's partly based off of his own sort of travels on a boat um, with his uh, with his then wife on their honeymoon, um, going up the Thames River and around the riverways of um, old-timey Britain, um, but he then tells that story through just sort of these wacky adventures of these three idiot guys and it's great um there's hot fuzz because i mean first of all you should always be watching hot fuzz yeah. at every opportunity but it has the same feeling of like small town life, small town british life quaint coming up against big action tropes and yes. like high conspiracies um yeah i feel like uh Hot Fuzz, in addition to being being inspired by all these police and action films, is very much inspired by Wallace and Gromit. Oh, as well. totally! Because mm-hmm. it's it's wackiness imposed on quaint 
yeah. British country life. Absolutely. Which is never not a funny juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, other movies from Ardman Studios, uh, Flushed Away, and especially Chicken Run, which I just really love. I've never seen it, actually. Oh, man, it's delightful. Yeah. We need to watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's one of those that I just, like, missed. Yeah. And for some reason, I've never caught up with. It's riffing on The Great Escape, but with chickens, and it's so good. Um, there's Doctor Who for another sort of longstanding and specifically British tradition of a piece of media um, in the same vein, Douglas Adams, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, sort of that um, epitomizing of British humor and wit, although Adams has a little bit of a darker edge to it and a little bit more cynicism. Um, and then there's also, uh, I didn't put this on the show notes, but it occurred to me as we were talking, um, the uh, Windows game, uh, video game, The Neverhood, which came out in the 90s. It's a claymation game. Mm. Um, it's a puzzle game made by Doug, Doug Tennapel. Um, it is probably one of my favorite video games of all time. It's a point-and-click puzzle adventure that is just occupies this incredibly insane world that is super funny and amazing and has lovely music. If you can find it, play it, Mm. and then please let me know where you found it. I have been looking for this game for about a decade now. Um, It was an an MS-DOS game. Um, What's it called again? The Neverhood. Um. I think you can get it for Windows, but um, they have not ever done a Mac release. I think the rights are tied up with EA. Ah, But it is such an amazing game. I cannot recommend it highly enough. And um, also, there's a soundtrack to it by Terry S. Taylor, which is just like... The songs, I'm interested to see what people think of the songs out of the context of the game because they're very wacky and very random, but uh, in the context of the game becomes something really lovely and great. Um, So yeah, The Neverhood. Go seek it out if you can, and then please tell me where to find it. Um, But you know, Annie, you know what the good news is? They can always find us. And they can find us in a bunch of different places. On the old interwebs. It's true, all the interwebs. Anywhere specifically can they find us? You can find all Crossover Appeal content, uh, including our show notes, at crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com. Anthonyhopkinsandmechanicalpants.com. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go buy that domain <laughs> yeah, right now. really. I, it's already registered in yeah. this porn, I bet. Oh, God, no. Uh, oh, hashtag bot life. <laughs> 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 it's somebody's fetish. Oh. <laughs> um, when you do find the neighborhood... <laughs> Anthony Hopkins and Maggie Smith are listening along to this. Well, I'm going to tag them in the uh, in the, the tags for this episode. So I'm oh, sure yeah. that when they check SoundCloud tomorrow. Of course. <laughs> uh, when you do find The Neverhood and want to tell me how to find it myself, please email us at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. If you're on the Facebook, you can find us at Crossover Appeal Podcast oh. and... Every other week, we ask you about stuff you've been watching or reading or listening to, whether in the UK or elsewhere. Yeah, anywhere you want. Um, You can find us on Twitter at Crossover Appeal. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) For all the tweeting needs. For all the tweeting and polls and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can subscribe on iTunes. Also, you can rate and review us because yes. we will give you a shout out if we you will. leave us a review. And you will be, we will be eternally grateful to you because that's how we find new people. Yeah. So please, Either please, that please. or, you know, we have to like put on our mechanical pants and we walk around town. Go running through the meadows, yeah. which would be a good way to raise uh, um, awareness. Yeah, awareness. <laughs> I mean, people would certainly be aware. But then we'd be on the news when we got arrested. Every day, millions of people put on their mechanical, mechanical pants. pants. This is the future. Man, this turned into an episode of Black Mirror all of a sudden. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. 
No Black Mirror. Um, but yeah, uh, please tell tell people if you like the podcast. Um, we love it when we have new listeners. Yeah. And we love all of you. Yeah. Very, very much. Um, but we will continue loving you for another two weeks. Uh, in which case... <laughs> we'll write uh, long letters. It's gonna, guys, As if... No, we're going to hold our love inside until it's too late. As if we're an English butler. Guys, I'm not going to lie. It's going to get weird. <laughs> this is the second episode in which we have to end with like wow maybe don't review us after this yeah, no i'm cool with it you know what let us have it <laughs> tell us how uncomfortable we made you hashtag let me love you exactly um but yeah uh please keep listening keep telling folks and we will see you all back here in two weeks um this has been crossover appeal I'm Walt McGough. I'm Annie Cardi. And we are reminding you to, as always, please ship responsibly.